0: I'm Scott, and welcome to the third episode of Child in Time, growing up in the 60s. Maybe, like me, you were there, or you just might be interested in that crazy old decade. Before we start, in this episode, there is discussion of corporal punishment directed at children from adults. It was common in the 1960s. If, for any reason, that is not for you, you might want to skip this one. Okay. For the record, I went to an unremarkable suburban state school in a lower middle class part of town. When I was in sixth class, now known as year six, our teacher was an old, gruff-voiced, nicotine-stained-fingered, old-school enforcer-type guy. Nearing retirement, He was the epitome of a teacher who had seen and done it all. But, almost like a TV show cliché, beneath that rough exterior was a heart of gold. Despite being the school enforcer, everyone who got to know him at all got a real sense that he loved his pupils. When we returned to our classroom after play lunch or lunchtime, There would often be about half a dozen children who had been sent from the playground at large by the teacher on duty. They stood in a single file next to the teacher's front desk. One nervously fidgeting, maybe a couple looking at the floor forlornly, seemingly resigned to their fate. Another, maybe a tear or two and a quick wipe of the eyes. Our class had ringside seats for what was the theatre we knew was about to follow. Whether they liked it or not, the children lined up were unwitting performers in this regular pantomime. Our teacher would walk in, grab his large emery board, and lean towards the first child in line. In his loud, deep, gruff voice, he would ask, Why were you sent to me? the child would give a hurried staccato version of the alleged misdemeanour. The teacher would listen briefly before interjecting. How do you plead? Guilty or not guilty? Not guilty, sir, was always the reply. In truth, it didn't matter what the child said. The verdict was always the same. Guilty as charge. Now bend over. He would take his emery board and give the child a solid whack across the backside. The same scenario would repeat until each child had been paddled and sent away. To me, it always looked like it was a cursory punishment. Well, I felt no pain from where I was sitting. That is, until one day, I had transgressed somehow. I can't remember what it was. And I was part of the lineup after lunch. When it came to my turn, I thought I had a very feasible version of the gross misunderstanding that had led me to the position I was in now. My plea of not guilty was considered for a good nanosecond before guilty as charged. Bend over. Walking back to my seat, I was more surprised than anything else. It hurt much more than I imagined it would. The issue of corporal punishment in children is still a divisive issue for many. The movement has been very much away from it from about the 1970s onwards, and many countries and territories have outlawed it altogether. The World World Health Organisation website states... And now I'm quoting, Evidence shows corporal punishment increases children's behavioural problems over time and has no positive outcomes. Corporal punishment triggers harmful psychological and psychosocial responses. Children not only experience pain, sadness, fear, anger, shame and guilt, but feeling threatened also leads to physiological stress and the activation of neural pathways that support dealing with danger. Children who have been physically punished tend to exhibit high hormonal reactivity to stress, overloaded biological systems, including the nervous, cardiovascular and nutritional systems, and changes in brain structure and function. Despite its widespread acceptability, Spanking is also linked to atypical brain function like that of more severe abuse, thereby undermining the frequently cited argument that less severe forms of physical punishment are not harmful. End of quote. What we do know is that physical punishments were very common in the 1960s. In my research for this one, There is not a massive amount of information out there that I could find out about this in terms of facts and figures, but there are anecdotal stories aplenty. In those I spoke to, it was overwhelmingly boys that were caned, although one or two females told me they had also felt the cane. My first experience of being slapped by a teacher came quite early in my school career. It was in the class called Transition, and that was a class between kindergarten and first class. So I turned six that year. Our teacher was a matronly middle-aged lady, always immaculately dressed and coiffured, and known to be very strict and very straight-arrow, very straight-laced. After lunchtime, class would return to the classroom, and after moving the little tables and chairs back against the wall, we would put down mats in the middle of the room to lie on and have rest time. Now that all sounds fine thus far, but the teacher told us we were all to lie down and all be very relaxed, all floppy, she used to say. Sometimes, after we'd been lying down for a while, she'd say she was going to move among us, and if she picked up a leg or arm that was not floppy enough, it would be smacked. I could never get this right. As a huge figure loomed closer. I was about as relaxed as one of those plaster casts of cowering Pompeii victims when Vesuvius erupted. Sure enough, I'd feel the large manicured hand reach down and brace for the inevitable slap. You know, even now, at the weekend, and it gets to be mid-afternoon... I might find myself wanting to have a little lie-down. It's one of life's little luxuries. And it's even better that no one ever comes in to belt me one for not being relaxed enough. Now, we move on to the cane. The caners were always male teachers. I never heard of a female teacher caning but I'm prepared to stand corrected. Certain teachers were regarded for their prowess above others, but every one of them was going to give you pain. That was a given. Canable offences were many and varied. Getting into a schoolyard fight that got serious would have both combatants caned. All kinds of disobediences warranted the cane. If any teacher decided that it did, The caning itself was not so straightforward as you might imagine. You would be told to hold out your arm, palm up. Rather than hold your arm out at right angles, you try to raise your arm as high as you thought you could get away with, as the higher your hand, the less the arc of the blow. The caner would usually tap your arm back at right angles to the body, Another ploy was to try and angle the palm downwards in the hope that the cane might slide off the palm somewhat. Again, usually fingers would often be tapped from underneath until straight. One of my brothers, Brett, relates that once he tried to experiment with cupping his hand just before impact. Try this now. Hold out your hand palm up. Now cup it a little. See what happens? Your thumb comes up as the first point of contact from above. Brett decided that his method was not to be recommended after leaving his caning with a broken thumb. The good caners could catch all four fingertips. After the initial pain had subsided, often a telltale blood blister would appear. The worst part of that was that if it was noticed by a parent in the following days, you'd be forced to explain to mum or dad why you had been caned. My impassioned recounting of a gross and unconscionable miscarriage of justice leading to my caning were always met with scepticism, never with words of conciliation. I was caned a few times in primary school and a couple more times in early high school. The years from about year four to about year 10 were the years where the cane loomed large. Before year four, well, you, you were too little really. And by year 11, you had probably moved past those days. One teacher we had didn't cane children. His method, was to put a hand on your shoulder and then slap the back of your calf. He held on to you, lest the blow drove you off your feet. And you were left with a large handprint on your calf for a while. It was only slightly less painful than the cane, and uh, I am speaking from personal experience here. In addition, teachers from both genders would throw blackboard dusters or chalk at students when someone was caught talking or not paying attention or something. Slaps to the side of the head or flicks to the ear would be favoured if the teacher was within arm's length. Sure, there was detentions and things like writing a 100 lines as punishment, but these measures took up time. Some boys would even opt for the cane Given the choice between staying back after school or being caned, it was over and done with. Some even boasted of being caned as a sign of being a tough guy. As for me, I'd have to say that from the moment a teacher's hand or cane touched me, that meant it forfeited any chance the two of us could have a relationship that was really going to benefit my development as a young man. I feared them, and or just liked them for hurting me. It toughened you up, I suppose. And you learnt one of life's valuable lessons. Don't get caught. By the mid-90s, there was legislation pretty much all over Australia that banned corporal punishment in schools any teacher who did it now would be an ex teacher pretty quick and it would also probably involve the police since the cane was put away forever is there ever any evidence that our schools have descended into uncontrollable anarchy hmm. should people hit people Our children, people. Thanks for listening. Please do me a favour and tell just one other person, if you enjoyed this podcast, pass the message on. Please like and follow uh, and talk to me through social media. And we'll talk soon. Bye.